Anybody else excited? No? You're going to be. You're going to be. It's going to happen. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. God wins. All right, I prayed that you guys would be excited, so God's going to get you. All right. So, no, I was, I'm, I'm so glad every time we get the opportunity to come into church, you know, in, in Psalms it says, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. So it's always a good thing when we're able to come in and to fellowship, but it's a great thing because we get to learn a little bit more about the Bible. And I really, really think that this morning uh, we're going to have something that hopefully is something that you've heard about but maybe didn't understand practical application. So we're going to try to give you something a little bit practical this morning. Uh, I was super, super torn about what to preach. When Matt asked me to preach, I, uh, I didn't quite know where to go with this. Uh, so then I thought back to, you know, when I was a teenager and I was, you know, God called me to preach when I was 16. And, uh, you know, I was trying to get some advice from an old country preacher. I said, you know, how do you... How do you determine what God wants you to preach? And he said, well, you just preach about what God uses in your life to speak to you. And, and it will be real to people because people experience those same things. And so I went back to that and I said, you know, God, do you want me to speak on fried chicken? Is that, that's what speaks to me. I mean, Cody's up here talking about food. I'm hungry. Like, man, I'm ready to pass out the notes and say, y'all study at home. Let's go to fry, get some fried chicken, you know. I mean, I can I relate fried chicken to the grace of God, you know, get some collard greens? I, I don't, man, fried okra, I'm, anybody else hungry? <sighs> man. Hey, you guys think, this guy talks about food a lot. <laughs> I love food. It's good. You guys ever had that banana pudding so good that if you put it on top of your head that your tongue would beat your brains out getting to it? Yeah, I'm from the south. It's, it happens. It's a real thing, so. But since I could not find fried chicken anywhere in the Bible, I decided to go a little bit different route on this. Um, this is one of the things that I really understand a, a lot of biblical principles about was warfare. So as you guys know, I'm, I, was, I served in the military 22 years. Uh, I understand warfare. And I think one of the problems that we have as Christians today and as a church as a whole is that we don't really put up the best battles that we can. And some of it's due to lack of knowledge, some of it's due to lack of effort. But so this morning we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6 if you want if you have your bibles you can turn there. Those lights go up at all? Is it dark out there? Can can we pull up the shades on the side a little bit? No. Yeah. So you guys know how to do that? All right. All right, good times. I want a little bit of light. I don't want anybody to miss this, all right? Not that I'm a great orator, I'm not a great speaker, but God made some truths really, really uh, plain to me this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to look at the armor of God. All right, so the first thing that we have to really, you know, realize is that we do have struggles. Does anybody in here says, you know what, I don't struggle at all? Is there anybody? Like, I'm going to do a Pastor Matt thing. Just raise your hand if you say that's me. You know, I don't have any struggles. Well, good. I, not that I glory in your struggles, but it lets me know that there, uh, there is a common ground by which we can start. And so struggles, a lot of times, we relate to a very physical realm. 
So we look, and I look at Steve, and I say, Steve and I are in a physical state here, and I can relate to Steve. Because we try to, we associate everything to our five senses that we can, you know, we can smell it, we can touch it, we can taste it. Then it's real to us. But where do our struggles come from? So our struggles generate from a spiritual realm. And I think a lot of times that we think that all of that is just, it's supernatural. It just doesn't, I, I can't fathom it, so I don't worry about it. Well, I'm here, I want to just read some verses that God gave to me and show you some practical things that we could be doing in order to fight a better spiritual battle because that is where the source of our struggles come from. And if you didn't know that, that God and Satan, they operate in a spiritual realm, so we need to be able to access that spiritual realm to be able to stand firm. And we're going to read that here this morning. So without further ado, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for a simple Bible verse that tells us how we can have victory in you. God, as I speak, I pray that you would just loosen up my tongue to give the words that you want to be said. Father, I pray that you'd open up our hearts and minds that we could soak this in and then apply it as we walk out of here. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are a couple of things that we really need to understand. So first, we have to come to a common understanding that there is a spiritual realm. It says here in, uh, I believe it's verse 11, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. So there is a spiritual realm that, we, that, that the battle is happening in, so that we're going to define that. And the next thing that we need to look at is, you know, why, why would we have a spiritual battle in a physical, that affects a, a um, physical world? Well, Ephesians, let's, let's back up a little bit. So Ephesians is a really good book. It's written to believers. So everything that we're talking about today is from the realm of a believer. Is that cutting in now? All right. So we have Ephesians. Paul wrote it. He wrote it from prison. And the thing that we're looking at is Paul needed a way to explain to people what was happening in the spiritual realm. So as we look at the armor, and even though it's in a spiritual realm, it is something that was very physical back in that day. That they could equate it to a soldier. Paul was equating this to a soldier, and he's trying to explain the spiritual principles for each piece of armor. All right, so we look at this and we say... All right, so if there is a spiritual realm, and that's where the devil operates, and there is a spiritual realm, that's where God operates, so then we, and that's where the battle is going to take place, so how do we get into that realm, and how do we absolutely, positively stand firm, like it says in the last verse there, having done all to stand. That is our goal as a Christian, is to stand. 
So a couple of things. One, it is a spiritual realm, but two, it only tells us to stand. It doesn't tell us to fight. It doesn't tell us to go out and seek the devil and go hit him over the head with a two by four. It tells us simply to stand. So we have to understand that we're operating from the idea that there has already been a war. There's already, God already fought the war, so we're operating from the standpoint of victory. As Christians, Jesus stepped out of heaven. He stepped out of glory over 2,000 years ago to come down to earth, to be born of a virgin. And he walked on this earth for 33 plus years, and he walked a perfect life. He sinned not. And he went to the hill called uh, Mount Calvary, and he was hung on a cross there. And he paid a sacrifice for you and for me. And he overcame sin in order to provide us with righteousness. And we're going to talk about that so that we can be righteous in the sight of God. And he was buried, and on the third day he arose, conquering death and sin. And now he's ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we see that there's already been a war fought for our souls. But what Satan wants to do is to make you ineffective soldiers in the individual battles. So we're going to talk about a little bit today about how do we stand when those struggles come along, when those battles come along. And as we have struggles, we need to understand there are some basic Bible principles of what God wants us to do. And the first thing I want you to understand is he only wants you to, to, to stand in a defensive posture. God's going to do, he's going to do the offensive work for you, okay? So as we see this, uh, one of the things that I wanted to point out is uh, we just read the 10 through 13 is the elements of the battle. So next slide. It's a little bit small, isn't it? Sorry. All right. One, we see the objective of the battle. So what is our goal in, these, in this battle? The goal is to stand firm against the wiles of the devil. Wiles just means schemes. The devil's a trickster. When you accepted Christ, the devil has no more power over you, but he has the ability to trick you and influence you in order to bring you to a place or to do something that you're not supposed to do or that is not beneficial for you. He wants nothing more than to interrupt your relationship with God. And so that's what he's going to do. So we see that the objective of the battle is for the devil to trick us. We see the enemy of the battle, principalities, powers, rulers, of the darkness of this world, spiritual wicked in high places. Think about this. So it's not just Satan. It's not just the devil, right? It's all his different powers that he has with the angels that were cast out of heaven, the demons, right, the realm. So it's a spiritual realm. There are different levels of abilities that the devil has to trick us. So there's going to be a lot of things in life where, you know, things that affect teenagers don't necessarily affect young adults, don't necessarily affect older adults which don't necessarily affect our senior saints, all right? So he has different levels that he goes through. So we see the battle. So we have to understand that the battle is we're wrestling against the schemes of the devil. That is the whole point here. There's going to be a battle that you are going to fight, and it's, it, wrestling is a very hand-to-hand -hand combat type move. Like, if I was in better shape, you know, and, and Steve would let me, I would just take him and hip toss him and throw him over. And then if I did that now, both of us would be laying on the ground and you guys would have to, you know, come lay hands on us. But <laughs> I see, okay, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to address the elephant in the room. Yes, my son's here today, so I'm going to use him in every illustration. 
I'm just kidding. So, um, but I remember like the the wrestling that we used to do, like when they were little. I won't do it now because he'll just he'll beat me down. But but the wrestling is actually a close quarters combat. It is hand to hand type combat. And so in order to do that, the devil has to get very close to you. So as we understand, like, okay, this is setting the scene. This is what's happening. So the last thing we saw in the element of battle is we claim victory from the battle. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. So in this battle, we're to put on the armor of God so that we can claim victory. All right? That's the entire, so that we can overcome, so that we can not experience a lot of the effects of the devil. And God wants us to have victory in our lives. And God is going to let us borrow his armor. That's the other thing. It's not our armor. He says put on the whole armor of God. It's God's armor. When you look at what King David said when, when Saul offered up his armor. Saul was this big, big dude. King David was a little guy, right? And he says, listen, I can't put on your armor. I haven't proved it. But God will provide. David put on God's armor in order to defeat Goliath. So we're going to do the same things in this spiritual battle. All right. Everybody excited now? Well, I know the guys are excited. They're like, battle, yeah, let's get it on. All right, so ladies, listen, there's a little something in here for you too because it's, the armor is basically like getting dressed. So it's clothes. We're going to talk about clothes, all right? Maybe I went too far with that one. God forgive me. All right, deal with it, though. I got the mic, so. All right. No, I love everybody. Just trying to make sure everyone has a good time. So as we, as we go through this, we need to understand, too. So when we're doing this, we're, we're doing our battles, we're having our battles, is, you know, 2 Corinthians says, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not con- carnal, meaning they're not of this world. But we are mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds. If we have things in our life that Satan has absolutely put in there to affect us, and by the way, we let him do it. So if you're, if you're saved today, we let Satan in. So that's, that's another message for another day. But we are mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds. If we are going to have spiritual victory It has to be through the biblical principles, through the method that God has provided to us, through the body, through uh, through the armor that God has given us in order to have that victory. So, let's go ahead. I only have 14 pages. It'll be a short message. Uh, I was, uh, I I called pastor. I'm just checking on him because he's, if you guys don't know, pray for him. He's sick. Um, He sounded just not like pastor, congestion, coughing, sneezing. And so, uh, you know, he said he was coming back. He was looking forward to coming back. I said, just stay there until you're done with this illness. We don't want it. But, you know, you know pastor. He wants to share it with everybody. (laughs) Sharing's caring, right? Yeah, see, I was talking to some people. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. This is not coffee. If this was coffee, I'd be chewing through this pulpit in about five minutes. And it's metal, so. All right, so let's go ahead and go on to uh, the armor of God. First thing we're going to see is the girdle of truth. And in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Stand therefore, 
having your loins girt about with truth. One thing I want to point out, so great thing about Ephesians. Ephesians, the first three chapters, talks about doctrine. The last three chapters talks about practical application. So God's pretty good about that. He's not just going to give you doctrine, not show you how to apply it. All right, so that's what we're going to do today is we're going to apply some of this. One of the things that um, you'll see in these verses is that there's six pieces of armor. So the first three pieces of armor that we see here, it uses the verb having, which, which really implies that there's a consistency. It's a constant wearing of that piece of armor. And we'll get into it as we go through each one of these. And the second three are going to be to pick up. So you're going to put those on as needed. But these first three, keep that in mind. As we go through, you're going to see the first three are things that we should have on all the time. So the first one there is the girdle of truth. So if we equate girdle to belt, think about a soldier. So soldiers used to wear tunics, very loose, like over, overcoats, over clothing. I don't really know how to explain that, but they're loose and baggy. And that belt was meant to cinch it in. And part of the thing that's, uh, part of the reason why they did that is because if they had wore loose clothing, it could be a hindrance in battle. So if I'm going to go and I'm going to fight and I have clothing sticking out, like my dagger can hit it, or as I go to pick up my shield, I might hit this loose piece of clothing. So in order to be ready for the battle, they put on this belt and they cinched everything down. And it basically gave them a mindset, hey, I'm changing from this loose garment where I all day long, this is what I do when it's normal. But hey, it's time to go to battle. It's time to put on the belt. All right. So we see that the belt has a purpose, and that's we equate it to preparation. So we're preparing. It helps us to get ready to be ready for the battle. So today, if we're not, then there should be a mindset that we have to change because Satan's good at this. Okay, I'm not, I'm not going to downplay his abilities. He's been doing this a lot of years. And he studies you. He doesn't know you, by the way. So let's, let's just throw some things out there. He can't read your mind. He doesn't have those abilities. But what he does do is he studies you. He's very studious. And we're creatures of habit. So we're the same a lot of times. So what he learned 2,000 years ago a lot of times applies today. And he knows how to mess with us, right? So we have to be ready. We have to come from a standpoint that we must be ready for spiritual battle because it's going to happen whether you want it to or not. All right? So, and if you're not dressed for battle, you just get schwacked and you're, you're ineffective for God. All right? Schwacked is like the old Greek, so don't worry about it. All right? So the Greek word for truth here is aletheia. So I found this pretty interesting that it's very commonly used throughout the New Testament, but you don't find it a lot in the Old Testament. All right, so we see it in John chapter 14, verse 6. It says, I am, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So we had truth once already in our lives when we accepted Christ. We came to an understanding that Jesus is the truth. All right, this is the way that we were going to get righteousness. This is the way that we were going to get redeemed because it was we can't do it on our own, okay? Our abilities are not there. So in order for us to get to heaven, in order for us to have a relationship, 
In order for us to be restored to God, we had to have that truth, that Jesus. Well, we also see that in John 17, 17, uh, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So if we understand that we need truth, and it's telling us to gird up our loins with truth, that we have to understand what truth is. So we have truth and salvation, so there's always that. Nothing that anything Satan can do can change truth. There's nothing that Satan can do to change truth, but it's our jobs to understand it more. And that second one in John 17, it says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So we have to get into the Bible. We have to understand the particulars about truth. I think we all have a pretty good understanding about the truth of salvation. But what does God say about perversion, about lust, about evil thoughts? What does God say about this, about that? What is it in your life that is going on that you need to understand what God says about it? Truth is a way for us to be ready. So you see the racers when they get, they come up to the starting block, right? And they get down and they're shaking it out. I don't, I don't know why they shake it out. I guess it, it helps. So they get down, they get into the starting block. And one of the, one of the things that the starter says is ready. So, and it puts, and then all the muscles tense up and they're, they're just, they're going to launch. This is the starting point for them. Truth is the starting point for us. We have to understand what the Bible says, what God has for us on these different subjects if we are going to stand. If you don't know the truth, how easy is it for the devil to say, you know what, that's not true, what that pastor said. That's not true, what that guy standing up there with the microphone said. If we are to understand what God wants us to do and how he wants us to stand, then we have to understand truth. Get into your Bibles. Understand it. Come to church, listen to the pastor, then go back and check his work, all right? Don't trust the man, trust the Bible. But Pastor Matt preaches from the Bible, so I, I don't think we have problems, but it's, we have to have a knowledge base. It starts with a knowledge base. Second thing that we're going to do, listen, we're flying. Anybody have a story they want to tell? We're way ahead of time. No, okay, all right, so. <laughs> I'm very cognizant of time. It's a military thing, but. It's okay. All right, the second thing that we see there in uh, the second part of verse 14, it says, having on the breastplate of righteousness. So if, all right, let's go with this. So the Roman soldier, they have this breastplate. By the way, you have to put on the belt before you put on the breast, breastplate. Because remember, that belt was going to cinch it in, and it was going to get everything. If you have loose clothing when you put that, breastplate on it has different buckles and fasteners and all kinds of different stuff and what will end up happening is it'll catch and so when you go to lift your shield or do something defensive you may not be able to do it so you have to have that fundamental knowledge before you put on the breastplate of righteousness so the um, typically what they would have the Roman soldiers would have a piece of cloth and it would have like leather sewn into it. So it's a very heavy linen. And they would have leather sewn into this. Or they would attach metal to it. And so they put this on over and then they cinch it down. And this was along the lines of a commitment. 
they're, this is the second step. So now they're ready. They put on this breastplate. And the breastplate, the, the function of the breastplate for a soldier was to protect the vital organs. So it covered from the neck down to the waist. It protects the vital organs, the heart, you know, the, the stomach, the intestines, all these different things. If something happens to the heart, then the soldier's no longer viable. Okay, the soldier's out of the battle. So we have to have a way to protect ourselves. So righteousness for a Christian is provided to us through the sacri- Jesus' sacrifice, and we just touched on that. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we might become his righteousness, okay, if we accept him. One of the things that righteousness also indicates, you're going to notice in these first three especially, that everything that we did for salvation, meaning everything that God did that we accepted for salvation, has a practical application in spiritual battles as well. So we see that Jesus came down for our, to be our righteousness. And now, as, they give, as God gives us knowledge, that righteousness is practical application. It's putting it into practice. So if you don't have the knowledge, then how do we wear the breastplate? of righteousness how do we become righteous how do we live righteous how do we seek after God's righteousness if we don't have that knowledge so but once we do have it it is our job in order to stand against the devil's schemes against the wiles of the devil we have to be able to put some of these thoughts some of these concepts some of these commands into practice so as we put them into practice it's righteous living And that righteous living allows us to stand against the devil and his wiles. So Paul is calling us to a consistent life in obedience to God's standards for a holy, acceptable life. It's living holy. It's putting these things into practice. So knowledge without application is useless. So we can know everything, and if we never put it into practice, then how effective is it really? So I, I like to think of, <laughs> I'm not saying this happened twice, but, you know, it could have happened to somebody else, right? So you think about electrical outlets, right? How many of you are parents? How many of you tell your kids, don't stick a fork in the outlet or don't stick a knife in the outlet, all right? Alan, did I ever tell you not to do that? No, maybe that's, that's, maybe that's why you work with electricity. You like He likes it, so. But... We know what's going to happen if we stick a fork in there. We know what's going to happen if we stick a knife in there. That knowledge is useless if we don't apply it, if we don't actually have an understanding of what's going to happen. If, if we, okay, so we completely understand. We stick it in, pow, we're going to get some volts, right? But if we don't apply that, then we have to suffer the repercussions, and we're going to be less effective. So I'm not saying that that happened. James. I'm not saying that that happened, but the nose exploded. That's all I'm saying. So knowledge without application is useless. So first we know the truth, and now we move forward from truth, and we're looking to apply it in our lives. All right. We're moving on. Point number three. Point number three is the feet shod with the gospel. It says in verse 15, it says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All right, 
Ladies, you sure you aren't excited? These are like shoes, right? Sure, sure you're not excited? Okay, I'll just I'll let it go. So the shoes are a vital piece for a soldier. Uh, if you ever notice, you ever seen soldiers nowadays, they wear those big boots. All right, those big boots will go through a lot. They will go through a lot, and they're very hard, hard, hard to rip, very hard to get through. So the Roman soldiers would basically build shoes that they could wear all day. And again, we go back to you know, the, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. These are things that we wear on a consistent basis. So now we're to uh, the feet shod with the gospel. And so the Roman soldiers would have these leather sandals, basically, that they would latch it or they would you know, lash up on their feet. And it would be comfortable enough to where they could wear them for long periods of time so that they would be able to stand and so they would be able to march. And some of the interesting things as I was reading is they basically build cleats. They would have pieces of metal or they would have spikes that would come out through the bottom of the shoe. And what that does is it allows them when they get into a place to where they would lose their grip, lose their firm foundation, their footing, is they would be able to dig those in. All right, so <laughs> said I wasn't going to tell this, but all right, so I was a freshman in high school. No, I wasn't, didn't go to school with Moses, Alan, sorry. Um, so I was a freshman in high school, and I was playing football, and <laughs> we scrimmaged against the varsity team. And so I was a defensive back. I weighed about 100 pounds soaking wet maybe at the time. Yeah, it was a while ago, so no, it's okay. I'm good with it. So we're out there, and the coach, they, tell, they teach you this form. So if you're going to tackle when you do, you step in, you step in, you dig in, you have a foundation which you can basically launch into the guy. So, or if that running back's coming at you, that you need to get into a stance to where he's not going to bowl you over. Well, cleats really help in that process. So one day I showed up to practice, I forgot my cleats at home. And I'm running around the field, slipping and sliding all over the place, all right? And we had this one fullback. I think he weighed like 4,000 pounds or something. He was, he was a big kid. So, Oh, man. And this, this is my first concussion. So, hey, it's awesome. <laughs> and so he comes around the corner, and I go to get in my stance. And I get in my stance, and I go to tackle him. My, my shoes offered no support at all in this matter. And he bowled me over all the way down the field. It's vital for us to have proper foot gear, so to understand that we have to have the ability, a good, solid foundation in order which to stand. When, you can, when, a, when somebody comes at you, that if you're standing like this, that it's easy for them to knock you over. If, we're, if we don't have a good, solid foundation, it'll be easy for the devil to go right through us. And that, that, ap, that uh, foundation that we're talking about is the gospel of peace. So what does that mean? So the gospel, we understand it's the good news. It's Jesus died for our sins. So you notice we're coming back to that a lot. That's, that's a lot of what we do. That's, this is the reason, simply Jesus, right? That's why we do what we do. We have to understand that God did it all. When Jesus died on the cross, that, that gave us a peace of mind for eternity, I'm going to I'm going to reign with him for eternity. Man, that is, that's so reassuring to know, to understand that 
no matter what happens, that I can never lose that, that I'm sealed until the day of redemption. It's something that no man can pluck. You know, the, Jesus talks about my father gave them to me. You know, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. My father who is greater than all gave them to me and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. There's nothing that we can do to lose salvation. And that should give us a, an understanding of what peace really is. But even after salvation, so we, the devil's going to come in and say, you know, is it real? Is your salvation experience real? Anybody ever had that experience? I know it's a big thing with teenagers. Big. That the devil will come in and try to use psychology against us. And he will try to get us to doubt things that God tells us are true. And as we learn truth, and we understand truth, and as we apply it in our lives, it helps us to understand what a good, solid, firm foundation of peace is. It's that peace of knowing that God has done it all. We fight from victory. We don't fight by ourselves, and we don't fight from defeat. We have a victory, so understanding that peace. So as we move, as we're ready, and as we're training, as we're, as we're putting into practice, that allows us to stand. So today, what are we, what are we allowing the devil to tell us that's, that's going to get us worrisome? You know, I tried to think about a, a level of peace. So anybody in here a worry wart? Okay, no one's going to, okay, thank you, appreciate it, yeah. I'm not going to call anybody out. What I'm saying is this, that there are things that we can have anxiety over and there are things we should not, absolutely should not have anxiety over. And by the way, the things that we have anxiety over, God has given us a way to deal with those things as well. And it all goes back to understanding what God has written to us. All right, I know that some of us are more predisposed, I guess, might be a, a good word, to worry than others. I don't worry about anything. Because once you've been shot at, it's all good, right? And so <clears throat> that's not true. I worry about my kids all the time. So every time they go out, I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. So, but I will say this, that God has given me the ability not to let the devil get into my head. So as I think about this from a spiritual battle, the devil is going to try to get into your head. And he's going to try to tell you that, hey, listen, what the church here is, t is teaching from the Bible isn't necessarily right. All right. Or he's going to tell you, like, well, focus in on this. Pastor Matt likes to call them tier two issues, right? If we focus in on simply Jesus then what else do we really have to worry about? Am, do I, am, am I concerned about you like to worship a certain way? Hey, as long as we understand that Jesus stepped out of eternity to come down here and die for our sins and we can agree upon that, we can have a conversation. All right, but the devil's going to get in and he's going to poke and he's going to prod and say, hey, listen, this is a bigger deal than it actually is. And we need to stop that. And we need to say, you know what, I have peace at, I have peace of mind that the Bible says this is who I am. It's about understanding who you are. And I'm bought with a price. And so I'm okay. We need to make sure that we're not letting the devil get into our minds about these things. If you're having a hard time or you're struggling with something, read your Bible. If you're still having a hard time, struggling, 
Text a friend, say, pray for me. Pray that I would get something from God to give me peace. I can stand up here all day long and tell you that this is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. But it's different when you read it yourself and God gives it to you. It's a personal relationship. Okay? So the next thing we want to talk about is the shield of faith. So we just had those three, the first three, those are things that we should have all of the time. And they're very much the, the foundation of which we can stand. So remember, our defense is going to be a posture. It's a solid posture which we can fight the devil. The next three are things that we should pick up as needed. All right, and the first one is the shield of faith. It says, above all, taking the shield of faith. This is verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye should be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. So Roman soldiers carried a couple of different shields. One was a smaller round shield they used for advance and attack because it's very mobile, it's very quick to use. The other one that they used for defense was a bigger shield. It was about two and a half feet wide and about four and a half feet tall. It's something that they could crouch behind. They could get down behind and that when you faced a force or you faced an enemy, they would turn around and they would fire arrows right into the line to create a weakness. They would create a weakness in the defense, and then that's where they, they would go. And so this shield is designed in order to withstand the fiery darts. And by the way, the fiery darts are something a little bit different. So I can fire an arrow at you. Has anybody have, ever had an arrow fired at them? Come on, who grew up in the South? Come on. You, all, you know you shot an arrow at your buddy, right? All right. Yeah. Happened to me once. All right, twice. So... But this fiery arrow is something different. It's dipped in pitch or cloth wrapped around the arrow, um, dipped in pitch. And when it's shot, when it hits something, it spreads. And so it affects not only you, it affects others around you. And so what God is saying now is this is a tool that he is giving us that we can utilize in order to quench those darts. Quench means to completely put out to render ineffective. The fiery darts have no effect when we use the shield of faith. So we see here the, the first piece of armor with the verb to take. One of the things that is very, the reason why we take is these shields were not very useful to carry around. Like you couldn't run through a battle with them. They're meant for a defensive position. So they're, they're, they're a little large. So as, these guys, as they carry them, they would lay them down to do the different battles. But they take them up when they're getting shot with fiery darts. So Satan is going to try to affect us. He's going to shoot these things into our lives. He's going to put in worry. He's going to put in fear. You know, he's going to put in things that we struggle with. You know, and I think about our connect group, and I, I just I see the things that people struggle with that I don't struggle with. But then they see the things that I struggle with that they don't struggle with. But whatever it is, the devil is super good at it. So we need to make sure that we have this shield of faith. So what is the shield of faith? So we know that Hebrews 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Paul's telling us that we can't, always, we can't always see what the devil's firing at us. So we have to have an understanding that as we have truth, 
as we have the application of that truth, and as we stand firm in that truth, our faith is knowing that what God has said is true, is true. And as long as I am following God's instruction, as long as I am following God's principles, as long as I am living the way that he has taught me to live, then that is my shield of faith. But we have to understand that we have to have those other elements or they're not as effective. We look at, uh, we look at some of the different items. This is placing our faith in God is the assurance that we can stand the, uh, withstand the attacks no matter what the attack is. You know, it goes back to are we able to, are we able to uh, rely on our ways or are we relying on God's way? So faith is relying on God to do something that you can't necessarily do yourself. So we have to understand the truth and we have to apply it. You know, we have to stand firm in that in order to have that faith. So we do this, uh, there are a couple of different ways that we can uh, exhibit this. One is simply prayer. So praying to God that he would do those things that which we know only he can do. The other ones would be uh, through our testimony, just, under, just living through these different circumstances. Some of the things that, that people go through, I don't understand how they can go through them, but they make it through by faith. They believe that God's going to pull them through, and God does. So understanding that God is greater than the devil and having the faith that he will deliver us, but we have to stand firm in that. So the next thing that we want to uh, show is the helmet of salvation. Verse 17 says, take the helmet of salvation. So when a soldier gets dressed, it's one of the last pieces that he puts on. So what does the helmet do for a soldier? It's, it protects his mind. So as you get in battle, uh, we're going to learn about swords here in just a second. As you get in battle, uh, soldiers would take a swing. They swing swords. And the helmet protects you from getting a brain injury. So the brain is the central system that makes the body function. So if we're going to be able to stand, if we're going to be able to have that firm stance, the brain is the thing that allows us to stand. So the helmet of salvation, Satan tries to get into a believer's way of thinking. And it's going to be one of the primary ways. So he can put different influences in your life, but if he can get into your head and tell you that God's not right or that that's not what you need right now, or this is for somebody else, this isn't for me, then he is going to be able to affect your ability to stand. So the helmet of salvation is we live, we have to live daily with the mindset that Christ died for us on the cross. So we have a responsibility to show who Christ is in our lives. So when we're standing firm, we're relying, uh, we're relying on his ways. So how do we put on the helmet of salvation? Romans 12 says, and be conformed, uh, not, and, sorry, let me start over. I'm looking at a watch, and it's a mistake. So Romans 12 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So just as we were saved from hell, God is willing that we should have salvation from the different trials and temptations through the renewing of our mind. 
if we're willing to reset in our minds, if we're willing to look at things and say, you know what, God, refresh my memory. Give me something new. Like as we read and as we pray and as we uh, hear the preaching, that God is going to, again, refresh everything that he's done for us. He's going to refresh these principles. So it's going to keep it fresh in our minds so that as Satan has these attacks that come along in our life, he's going, we're going to be able to withstand them and say, you know what, that's not what God said. You know, I think a lot of times um, when Satan tempted Jesus, what was the thing, and, and we're going to go over this with the sword, that Jesus had some things fresh on his mind that he was able to rebuff Satan with. So we have to keep these things in our mind that salvation is not only what Jesus did for us on the cross, but what he does for us each and every day. So we have to keep that in our mindset. The next thing we see is the sword of the Spirit. Verse 17 says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, Roman soldiers carried two types of swords, and one of them was a big, long sword that would just, like, schwack somebody. Again, old Greek, so, so it just schwacks somebody. It's big. It's meant to do damage. The second one was more along the lines of about 18-inch little dagger, and it's meant, it can be used as an offensive weapon, but here we're looking at this as a unique defensive weapon. It's a smaller dagger that stops an advance at a specific point. So if Steve comes up here and swings a sword at me, I'm to use that dagger to meet right at a very specific point. And it, it's not something that I can reach out and touch. It's not a long-range weapon. It's a very, very close-up weapon. And we see here that, uh, that God has told us that we're to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the sword is the Scripture. And I learned this. So I just bought a Vines expository dictionary, and it's incredible. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, yay, look at this. And so the three words that uh, came up for Scripture, let me find them in my notes. One was Logos. So the word logos is the entire collection. The word epos, which is basically a, a story. So if you have a story in the Bible, that would be epos. Or you have a sermon, an illustration, a group topic, that would be epos. But then you have rima, which is the point here. This is the word that was used here. And this means an individual scripture a very specific scripture. So the sword of the Spirit is used to defend against something very specific in your life. That's why this goes all the way back to truth, and it goes all the way back to understanding God's scripture is that we can take and utilize that scripture that, to defend against the devil's attack. But the more specific we get, the better the defense is going to be. So you can try to defend yourself with a big long, with a big long sword, you know, with just the Bible. If you carry this around, what defense does it give you if you don't know what's in it? It doesn't give you any defense. So in order to apply that, we have to understand the specific words to defend specific attacks. All right, any questions, comments, war stories up to this point? No? All right. 
We're going to close with this. We're going to be done. Verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Just a few quick things that I want to point out with this. And this is the way that God ends this passage. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, prayer is the way in which we enter the spiritual realm. So get out through prayer. All right. This is the way by which we enter the spiritual realm. Prayer in this passage equals a general request. A petition is a very specific request. So we have general prayers. God bless us, everyone, right? We have very specific prayers. God bless Steve, all right? So, yeah, God, you need it. All right, I got you. You're at the top of my list, all right? Right after my kids, all right? So, all right. The next thing it says, pray at all times. This is to live in the mindset that we're always considering the heavenly if we are to do spiritual battle, we need to be cognizant of the fact that there is a spiritual battle going on at all times. And prayer of which we use to get there. So you pray in the spirit. Pray in Christ's name. Utilize the power that God has given us. So we are to pray in Christ's name. So if we want to stand firm in battles and put on the whole armor of God, then we are to do these different things. We are to understand the truth, apply the truth, all right? We are to, we are to take these different principles and apply them in our life. One, it's real. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you this. Are we using the armor of God?